You are now listening to the Ramble On podcast. and welcome to another episode of the Ramble On Podcast. Uh, with you, as always, is your favorite host, Jimmy. Uh, the other host is with me today, Alex. Your second favorite host, I guess. Yep, second favorite. Uh, today we'll be talking about chapters five and six of The Two Towers. Um, this is episode three, season two of the Ramble On Podcast, I guess I should say. <clears throat> so today we're going to be talking about chapters five and six um, chapter 5 is called The White Rider, and Chapter 6 is called The King of the Golden Hall. So, if we journey back to last episode, we talked about um, Merry and Pippin and their escape from the Urukai and them finding Treebeard, uh, and we also saw Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli camped out on the edge of Fangorn, <clears throat> and they see this this old man that approaches their campsite and then kind of vanishes without a trace. So that's kind of where we left off. Am I right? Is that, exactly where we left off. Perfect. So um, chapter five, the White Rider, uh, it opens to, again, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas uh, camped out kind of at the at the site of this battle that the Rohirrim had with the Urukai, basically around the edge of Fangorn. Like I said before, they had just seen this stooped old man who they... Um, who they assumed was Saruman, yeah, right? Because they had just heard Amir talk about how he wanders around like an old man, cloaked, hooded and cloaked, exactly. <clears throat> so uh, that's what they just saw last night. They're waking up in the morning. But this thing <clears throat> they saw had a hat, yes, right? not a hood. I believe they that they make that distinction. They did because Aragorn's like, well, if I'm going to be picky here, Which he is. He is. <clears throat> He's he uh, splits hairs. He said he was hooded, not hatted. I he guess. was hatted, not hooded. Yeah. Well, you're right. Amir said he was hooded, right? Not and he was hatted. Correct. That okay. Way. So the headgear was off. That's all we're gonna say about that. <clears throat> okay. So they uh, resume the search. It's morning. They wake up. They resume the search for Marion um, Marion Pippin. Right. Um, so Gimli brings up the old man from the night before, which would make sense, because that's pretty weird. Um, and he th- seems to think that it was an evil phantom of Saruman that they saw. Um, and then <clears throat> Legolas and Aragorn are kind of f- baffled by uh, what they heard after the horses left. So yeah. if you remember, the horses ran off, and your first instinct is, okay, they were scared off by whoever this guy was. But for whatever reason, they seem to remember the horses sounding as if they had just met a friend from a long time ago exactly. or something, right? They're, they didn't sound like scared horses. They ran off, and it, they sounded happy almost. So they're not really sure what's going on there. Um, the first thing I assumed is that they were talking about Shadow Facts. Yeah. Because they say something about... Um, they ran they, off... Yeah, they spoke as horses will when they meet a friend that they have long missed. Exactly. So I thought of Shadow Facts. That's what I assumed. Um We'll see later on if that turns out to be true. Um, so instead of trying to focus on who this old guy was, uh, they decided to focus on finding some trace of 
the Hobbits of Merry and Pippin. Uh, Aragorn, of course, the great tracker that he is, uh, he finds uh, some of the the leaf of the Lorian leaf with some crumbs. Leaf. Thank you. Yeah, with some crumbses uh, <laughs> sitting there in the uh, in the grass, which is where Merry and Pippin had their little snack before they right. ran off into the woods. So he sees this, uh, and he also finds the cords that were cut from the from the hobbits. But right. um, this is a little bit confusing to them because they can't really figure out the sequence of events. Obviously, they're just working with like some crumbs and leaves and some some ropes, so they're not exactly sure what's going on. But uh, Aragorn ends up kind of just like figuring it out based on his intuition and knowledge. He ends up figuring out ex- pretty much what the sequence of events. That led up to Merry and Pippin's escape. Um, he nails then, it. Yeah, exactly. He basically <laughs> nails it on the head, right? He, they get dragged off. He, yeah. He assumes they get dragged off by an orc in uh, for some ulterior motive and uh, guesses that you know he was killed and then they were able to cut their bonds and then have a quick snack before they. Right. <clears throat> before he they also guesses off. what the motive was. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, he probably knew something about the ring. Yeah. So anyway, Aragorn's able to uh, divine all this from his expert tracking skills. Um, so they realize that their tracks lead straight into Fangorn, and so that's that's kind of where they have to. If they're gonna, they've traveled all this way. Um, basically, what they have to do is go into Fangorn. They've they've decided this um, at the. So then at the, they're they're coming to the edge of Fangorn, um, and Legolas can kind of sense. He's a wood elf, so he can kind of sense. He again senses that there's not like e- the the woods aren't evil. There right. might be some evil deep deep in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but despite all of the tales they've heard about how dangerous it might be, he doesn't sense any direct evil. Right. Um, and he also feels like there's some something happening. Um, I think he says something is happening inside or going to happen. So yeah. you can feel this kind of like kind of anticipation, I guess. So they track the hobbits into Fangorn. Uh, they pretty much follow the path of the river the the same way that the hobbits right. do, right? Um, they they find some more traces of them. I think it's like where they wash their feet or something. Yeah, they um, had a drink and yeah, exactly. Uh, but at this point, it's like they're uh, Aragorn guesses that it's like two days old, so they're they're pretty far behind him. Uh, but there's nothing left but to but to keep searching, basically. Again, he's right on. Yeah, again, he nails it. I don't I don't remember exactly what he says. Um, yeah, uh, it seems that uh, yet the marks are two days old. Uh, it seems that at this point the hobbits left the waterside, so he nails it. Um, eventually, they make their way up. I guess this is just the easiest path. They make their way up to Treebeard's Hill, Treebeard's Hill, um, which is kind of a tongue twister for whatever reason for me. Um, and they're making their way up this hill, and he sees he's pretty sure that some hobbits went up this hill. Yeah. But he also sees some tracks that really confuse him because he's never tracked ints before, right? He's seeing some some int tracks, right? Um, which don't make sense to him. So eventually, they make it up on top of this hill. And if you remember from the previous chapters, when the hobbits are looking out, it kind of gives you a pretty good view of the forest below them, uh, whence they came. And as they're looking down, lo and behold, what do they see? The old man. The old man. Well, an old man. An old man. An old man. Correct. Who they assume is the same old man that they saw, which makes sense. Like, how many old men are walking around yeah. with Fangorn? <clears throat> Not many. So, the old man is kind of slowly making his way through the trees, 
up toward basically up towards them the way that they came. And Gimli, always the hothead, just tells Legolas, like, take him out right now, just shoot him, <laughs> like kill him. Everyone's like, well, maybe we shouldn't just like kill old dudes just for no reason. There's also like something else like keeping him from. He has some sort of something that's maybe making him hesitate, right? Something or magic, mystical powers. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, this old guy starts to move a lot more quickly. And basically, before they know it, he's already made it to the base of the hill. Yeah, it's kind of um, scary. Like, yeah, it's like he like sprints. Up yeah, it's like it seems like it would be scary. Yeah, it would scare me. I'd probably shoot him if I was Legolas. Mm-hmm. So he makes it down. He makes it to to the bottom of this hill really quickly. Um, and he it, he basically casts a spell on him. Right. He tells Legolas to put his bow down, and Legolas kind of goes limp. Right. He yeah. doesn't. He can't. It doesn't say he can't move, but that's kind of what it seems like. Right. Right? And then he, like, drops his bow, and then he tells Gimli to take his hand from his axe, and Gimli is, like, about to grab for it, but then he stops, and he basically can't move. It says he stands as still as a stone uh, whenever the, the old man kind of tells him to do this. Uh, the, the old man then basically leaps up the hill very quickly. Again, kind of scary, since he's in these, like, tattered gray cloths essentially is what they describe it as <clears throat> so he he makes it up to basically the top of the hill and i don't know if this is more like kind of magic or if he really is like his is he still wearing that hat is it or is he is he wearing a hood i can't remember I, oh his hood yeah, yeah he's okay so so he's, he's like wearing a hood he's looking out from under this hood and they still can't really yeah. see him um and again, that might be some more kind of like semi-magic type mystical stuff where it's, he's like obscured for whatever reason. But also he's just wearing this really big hood, so, you know, they can't really see what's going on. He's also talking to them and they don't recognize his voice, obviously. Right, exactly. Which in the films, like, it's, it's his voice, the voice of Saruman. And it's, yeah, it's actually Saruman. Yeah, I think they, that was a, I like the way they did that yeah. in the film, whenever this scene is taking place. Right. So he basically asks him, you know, what is a elf a man and a dwarf doing here and then gandalf asks in return uh well what what is your name you know like tell us who you are uh and then he uh this old man kind of laughs and says uh have you not guessed it already you have heard it before uh which could mean a number of things you know they've heard of sauron they've heard of sauron's name before um, so uh, basically, they none of the the three companions respond. Yeah. Um, so then the old man goes on to say that he knows that they're tracking uh, tracking the footsteps of two young. Hobbits. He literally says that. Yeah. Also, uh, when um, when Gandalf is like laughing at them about well, we don't know it's Gandalf yet. Okay. This old man. <laughs> Spoiler: This old man who's laughing at them. Uh. About not knowing his name, mm-hmm. Aragorn feels a shudder run through him at the sound, a strange cold thrill. And yet it was not a fear of terror that right. he felt. Rather, it was like the sudden bite of a keen air or the slap of a cold rain that wakes an uneasy sleeper. Right. Like he he was like sla- slapped, him, slapped him in the face, but not in a bad way. Kind of like an awakening almost, it seemed yeah. like. Yeah. This um, strange old man who we yeah. definitely don't know. I have no idea who this could be. It's anyway. it's Gandalf. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they still don't know it's Gandalf yet for whatever reason. I mean, I think there's probably some kind of mystical stuff going okay, on. Okay, if if you had not read the 
or had not seen the films already, would you thought it was Gandalf? I don't know. I mean, it depends on what age I was reading this. Like, right True. now, I would probably think it was Gandalf. Re would you, though? I think so. I would have thought it was Saruman. I, I don't know, maybe. I, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I, I feel like just... I'm too so ingrained and engrossed in the films Exa that I yeah, cannot can't separate break myself from, from it. Yeah. But if I was literally reading this with no prior knowledge... You would have already been I guess, married to the thought that Gandalf I, was Yeah, dead. I guess I would have to assume that Gandalf was dead. Anyway. I feel like Tolkien was ahead of his time in that, like, people didn't kill off main characters like that. Like, <laughs> now, obviously, it's like, you know, uh, what's the popular... What? Coen Brothers? No. Uh, Dragons. Why can't I think of the name of the show? Game of Thrones? Thank you! <laughs> the most popular show in the world? In the entire world. <laughs> like, they kill they kill off main characters like it's nothing, and then, yeah. like, bring people back. But, back when this was written, like, that must have been, like, unheard of. Yeah. People so, were... Good on you, Tolkien. Um, themselves. So, anyway, they still don't know it's Gandalf. Right. Uh, but, they bas he basically tells them, he knows they're tracking these hobbits... Um, and like we said in, in the film, he it's actually Saruman's voice, which yeah. makes sense as to why they would not know it's Gandalf. Um, so then he basically turns around to sit down, and whatever spell was over Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli is uh, broken. Right. And so at that point, they they still think it's Saruman. So they all like grab their weapons and they're about to attack. <clears throat> um, but before they can make any moves, this old man like leaks leaps up onto this rock. And uh, he disarms Gimli and Aragorn. And then it seems like Legolas is the first one to realize that he's actually Gandalf. Because he, he yells out his name. Mithrandir. Yeah, and then he like shoots an arrow like up. Yeah. It's like a celebratory arrow shot. And right. then bursts into flame. Yeah, so he uses Gandalf's elvish name, which is Mithrandir. So he's basically the first one to realize, okay, this is Gandalf. Um, so then, of course, they all realize it. Everyone's flabbergasted, of course. Um, so Gandalf now has a white cloak and white hair, uh, and he reveals that he's been... He basically reveals that he's been sent back, right? Like, his task wasn't complete. The whole reason he Gandalf was sent to Middle-earth was to help the free peoples try to defeat Sauron. Yeah. And that task is not completed yet. So he, he basically tells him that he was sent back by... Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's by the the Valar, right? right? Like the gods of Middle-earth. Um, and he says he he kind of is Saruman, or at least he says as Saruman should have been. Right. I think um, he says that in the extended... I think you're right. Like I can picture Sir Ian McKellen saying those words. Um, <clears throat> I think there is... Also, uh, something he says a lot both in the films and the books, uh, he references the turn of the tide. Yeah. Just so y'all know, that's a thing Okay, that he says a lot. Well, <laughs> maybe we'll come back to that at some point. Uh, but yeah, so they're like, Gandalf, it's you. That's crazy. You died. And then he says the, Gandalf, yes, that was my name. Yeah. Um, and then he also throws in the little, uh, like, oh, like, don't worry. Y'all you, you, couldn't have hurt me. Uh, none of you have any oh, yeah. weapons. None of you have any weapons that could hurt me. He's he's a humble he's showing off. He's back, showing off a little bit. Back again. Yeah, basically, the, no mortal weapon can can hurt him. Uh, and yeah, like I said, he says that he is Saruman, at least what Saruman should have been. Um, and then I just really like this part, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read it off. Um, 
He says, I have passed through fire and deep water since we parted. I've forgotten much of what I thought I knew and learned again much that I had forgotten. I can see many things far off, but many things that are close at hand I cannot see. And then he says, tell me about yourselves. So he's got all kinds of weird wisdom now yeah. from his journey to the other side and back. Um, he's definitely more wise. Definitely. Which is hard to believe. But it, somehow it's possible. He's even more wise than he was before. Um, so basically, uh, he asks, you know, he asks him what's been going on since he since he left. Although he does have some prior knowledge because remember that eagle that kept popping up. What eagle? Please explain. There was that eagle that came around like seven different times, and they kept being like, "What's that flying thing?" Way oh, that off? eagle. Yes, we kept talking about it, and we were kind of pissed because we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so it turns out. That was uh, Guayer, Guayer, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Guayer? Guayer. I don't know. The Wind Lord. Um, so that was the eagle that actually rescued him from uh, Orthanc. From Orthanc originally. <clears throat> and again, it turns out this same eagle saves him um, from uh, the top of a mountain where he battles where he battles the Balrog. He gets into that in a little bit. But this eagle has been flying all over the place and kind of gathering some intel, and he ends up um, he ends up getting some of this information from the eagle, right? Uh, another thing that he talks about, which I just wanted to touch on real quick, is uh, after he's talking about the eagle, he says, the ring now has passed beyond my help or the help of any of the company that set out from Rivendell. Very nearly it was revealed to the enemy, but it escaped. I had some part in that, for I sat in a high place and strove with the dark tower, and the shadow passed. Then I was weary, very weary, and I walked long in dark thought. Did you notice, did you see, did that seem weird to you? Yeah, and uh, I yeah, underlined a lot of it, because I was trying to, I was hoping you would know what he was talking about. So I think I know what he's talking about, at least my best Because he guess. also says, they also ask him about Frodo, and he says he was saved from a great peril. Right. And I, I was even racking, I didn't think about it too long, but. Right. So here's what I, I think. figured we could hash it out. Right yeah, now. yeah. So I think he's referring to when Frodo has the ring on on Amon Hen, and the eye is like roving about. Yeah, roving, roaming is roaming about. Roving works too. Ro I think. Does, okay, <laughs> whichever is the eye is kind of roaming about, and it almost spots him, and then something happens, and like Frodo, like I can't remember if like Frodo pulls the ring off first, or if it like kind of just barely misses him. That is what I thought of when Gandalf's talking about this, and he says he strove with the Dark Tower and basically was able to somehow stop him from seeing Frodo. Yeah. Which is interesting because I'm pretty sure Gandalf has this, like, stipulation that he's not allowed to directly confront Sauron. Do you remember that? Ever hearing that? Mm, no. I, for some reason, I'm thinking... I read this somewhere that Gandalf, part of his whatever uh, his, mission his mission statement exactly when he was sent to Middle Earth was that he could you know basically help everyone on the good side he could fight people on the bad side but for some reason I'm thinking he's not huh. allowed to directly like battle or confront Sar uh, Sauron himself so this would be like pretty close to cheating but I, I mean I don't know if that's even true that's just something that I think happened maybe we should look into that we'll try to look into it later anyway he he basically is doing a little uh, jousting with the, the Dark Lord here um, in some form I'm not exactly sure <clears throat> uh, 
Um, so anyway, he tells him that he so he knows some of these things, right? Uh, right. He's he's aware of something that's some of the things that's been going on. Uh, for everything else, uh, basically, Aragorn has to fill him in. So Aragorn tells uh, the tale of what happened since since Gandalf fell. Uh, let's see. I wanted to make a note about his uh, when when he's told about Boromir. Right. He says some interesting things. Yeah, I thought so as well. Uh, first of all, uh, Aragorn was never Aragorn never tells everyone about what happened with Boromir and Frodo. Right. Right. He, he he's kept that a secret, and he didn't want to tell anyone. Uh, he didn't want to tarnish Boromir's good name, essentially, in death. However, it seems like Gandalf can see through that, because uh, after he it says after he spoke of um, the death of Boromir, uh, Gandalf sighed and he says, uh, "You have not said all that you know or guess, Aragorn, my friend." Uh, so that leads me to believe that he he, he knows, knows about what, yeah what was and going he knows on. that Aragorn knows yeah exactly, uh, and then he says, "Poor Boromir, I could not see what happened to him. It was a sore trial for such a man, a warrior and lord of men." Galadriel told me he was in peril, but he escaped in the end. I am glad. It was not in vain that the young hobbits came with us, if only for Boromir's sake. I I don't know. It do, I don't understand <laughs> what that means. Maybe uh, is it like is it like a figuratively he escaped in the end, as in like he escaped the doom the, of man, where he like right. failed and he was able to redeem himself by saving the hobbits. Right. Is that kind of? I guess like his his character makes a full like in in at the end of his physical demise he right does something worthy of honor and that's it, that's the only thing i could think of but yeah. it seems a little weird it does seem weird it was not in vain that the young hobbits came with us if only for boromir's sake so like it, they gave boromir like his soul some, was saved yeah, because something. of them or something yeah but he it's not like he was a piece of crap before that no like he was pretty good until that one like yeah he just slipped up yeah, once it was just once <laughs> just a misdemeanor <laughs> uh, so anyway i thought that was weird i'm glad you did too um yeah. even though we don't necessarily have a complete answer on it i don't know it seems to me like they're probably talking about his like you said kind of his character or his yeah. soul was saved by being able yeah. to sacrifice himself for the hobbits maybe um, you folks <clears throat> listening in can offer yeah up some if opinions. you think if you have an opinion on this uh, email us or DM us. Um, moving on, Gandalf also, we might have been too uh, hasty in judging the acts of Merry and Pippin. Don't be hasty. Don't never be hasty. Uh, because uh, Gandalf says that um, they were brought to Fangorn and uh, their coming, he says, their coming was like the falling of small stones that start an avalanche in the mountains. Even as we talk here, I hear the first rumblings. Um, so, Gandalf gives them a lot more credit than I think we did. Um, yeah. I think there's a few more times in the chapter that he gives them a lot more credit. Yeah. So maybe we judge them too harshly. Um, I guess, but maybe, <laughs> maybe compared they, to the films, they're not as they're not as they're not as pivotal, pivotal exactly. Um, so I don't know. The the I think the the main point is that they were the ones that started this, sparked the revolution, basically. Kind of the very. The very very sparks. I'll I'll allow it though. Okay. Um. Yeah. That's that was the main thing that I wanted to talk about there for as uh, as far as Bormir and and the Hobbits were concerned. Okay, where are we now? Um. 
Okay, so uh, Gandalf kind of gives them a rundown now as how he sees this war going, kind of like bird's eye view, because he always is speaking in these kind of riddles and I think Aragorn kind of calls him out and he's like, why, yeah. do you, why do you always have to talk in these riddles? Like, just speak plainly. So Gandalf kind of sets out how he sees the pieces on the board of this war. And we'll go through it really quick. Yes, good. Okay. So, per Gandalf, uh, he thinks that Sauron uh, thinks that the company is headed to Minas Tirith uh, to be with the men of Gondor uh, to use the ring for the war. Because that's what Sauron would do. The most logical thing would be to use this might of the ring, this weapon, to try to attack him. So he thinks Sauron assumes that that's where they're headed, right? Right. Um, that's that's what Sauron would do himself, so that's what he assumes they would do. And he assumes that because of Sauron's love and desire for the ring that he would be completely oblivious to the fact that anybody would think to destroy it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that is one big thing that's going in their favor. Not, yeah. not in Sauron's wildest imagination could he ever can think of someone destroying it that's like saying like if i had super bowl tickets and i would just burn them like that doesn't make any sense like well at least sell them or something <laughs> right like it to sauron it doesn't make any sense like that he would never do that and it doesn't even cross his mind sauron is also afraid um this is again gandalf speaking uh that uh someone will rise up and use this ring and try to vie for the power that he has. Um, again, it doesn't make any sense to him that they would want that power completely gone and not to have someone yeah. come up in his in his place. And I think that's why Sauron fears, and maybe we'll see this later on, I'm kind of guessing at this point, but Sauron f uh, fearing the rise of uh, Aragorn. Because I think there's uh, going to be some interactions between the two of them uh, in the future. Prior and to their <clears throat> actual... Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's I think he fears that Aragorn is that person who will rise up and use the ring to to usurp him. <clears throat> um, he also thinks that uh, Sauron will soon use his full might in Mordor to attack Minas Tirith. Uh, he thinks that he's going to kind of he's going to rush it because he's a little bit scared now. Yeah. Um, he thinks that. Uh, Ministrith is where the ring will be. He thinks that's where all the might will be. So he's going to fight might with might with might, and he's going to basically empty out Mordor and attempt to attack Ministrith, which again is a good thing because that leaves Mount Doom and the most of Mordor unguarded, right? And will make it a lot more easy for <clears throat> Sam and Frodo to get through. Okay, so that's Sauron. So as far as Saruman, he thinks that Saruman also wants this ring, right? That's the reason why there was this dispute between the orcs. Right. The or mortal orcs were wanting to take the ring to Sauron. The Isengard orcs wanted to take it to Saruman. Correct. Uh, so he desires this ring, uh, and his this so this lust for power, which as we talked about before, is one of the themes of yeah the of the whole series is this lust for power is kind of a is an evil thing is a bad thing anyway this lust for power will actually end up helping them because it's going to be they're going sauron and sauron are then going to kind of vie against one another right and he even says that if if uh isengard and mordor were next door to each other then they could just watch them battle it out basically that, well that's what gimli says oh does he say so that? gimli says that but gandalf comes back and says the victor would emerge stronger than either and free from doubt yeah so, so he's kind of he shuts that down yeah he kind of shuts it down and 
he 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 has a point there. He does, yeah, he does. But still, um, the idea is that these two, even though they seem like they might both be on the same side, yeah, they're both vying for this power, right. and they're neither one of them want to share it. Um, so he also notes that uh, Sauron is now fearful of Isengard and of Minas Tirith. Right. So that's kind of how he sees this war going on right now. That's the snapshot that he sees. <clears throat> Uh, he also, I, I don't know, let me make sure I know who's talking about this at this point. Um, this is still Gandalf. So this is where they bring up the the Nazgul. Yes. The winged messenger. Right. So he says that uh, Saruman also does not know about, and they call that's what they call it, the winged messenger. So that was the thing that uh, Legolas shot down while they were on the river, right? Um, the giant right. winged thing that came down. Uh, that's the Nazgul. It's the Black Riders, but now instead of horses, they have these, the fell beasts. Uh, and so Legolas was like, oh, I shut it down. And again, also, well, you didn't actually kill it, okay? Like, you killed the, the beast that it was riding on. But again, these things are not, cannot be killed by normal mortal weapons. So that's like another... Uh, piece of the the army that Sauron has going on, and he brings up the fact that Saruman hasn't sent them west of the river yet. Yeah, uh, which, which who brought that up before? Somebody the the orc. That. Uh, oh, that's, that's right. Okay, he said something about he uh, he, the, he hasn't shown his cards yet. Or exactly, and they're they're being kept for something else. Yeah, for um, the war. Yeah, basically. So yeah, uh, Sauron's kind of playing those cards a little closer to his chest. He doesn't want everyone to know about his shiny new toys that he has. Uh, Gandalf also brings up Treebeard. Uh, and, um, oh, sorry, before actually I get there, he reveals that he was not the old man that they saw. Oh, yeah. That actually was Sauron, we're, they're pretty they're sure. They're pretty right? sure, yeah. He tells him that that night that they saw the, the old man by Fangorn Forest, which I assumed was Gandalf because yeah, I knew same. the story, turns out that actually wasn't Gandalf. He said that, that you didn't see me that night. Uh, so that was probably actually Saruman, right. which is kind of creepy. And yeah, and Gandalf's like, yeah, you're, it probably was Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. Uh, so, okay, so anyway, back to Treebeard. Um, Gandalf tells. Uh, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli that uh, the hobbits, Merry and Pippin are safe in there with Treebeard who he also calls uh, I think we had talked about this before but he calls Treebeard the oldest living thing yeah. that still walks beneath the sun upon this middle earth and we had the we, we discussed Treebeard versus uh, Tom Bombadil oh yeah I don't know if that's a, a, a debate that has any answer Probably not. I'm assuming Tom Bombadil is just a is like a thing outside of. Yeah, he's not a quote unquote living. We'll thing. never be able to put our finger on it. I'm afraid. Either way, they're both very very old. Yeah. Uh, so um, so yeah, he he says he lets them know that the hops are safe. Right. Their whole quest, basically up to this point, tracking down Merry and Pippin, and making sure they're safe, is finally realized. Essentially, right? They realize yeah. that that um, Merry and Pippin are safe. Um, so, um, um, so yeah, so the hobbits are safe and that's no longer their, their task, right? Um, Gandalf now tells them, I'm just going to read it off. Uh, but the quest for your companions is over. So it's talking about Merry and Pippin. Your next journey is marked by your given word. You must go to Edoras and seek out Theoden in his hall. 
for you are needed. The light of Andril must now be uncovered in the battle for which it is so long waited. There is war in Rohan and worse evil. It goes ill with Theoden. So that's Gandalf saying this is the next part of our of our journey, right? Uh, we have to go to uh, to Edoras. And when he was saying uh, your next journey is marked by your given word, he's referring to the fact that uh, Aragorn promised to meet Aemir and Edoras, right? Right. right. That's what he promised whenever uh, Aemir gave him the horses and allowed them to pass. Yeah. Okay, two things before we keep sure. going. All right. <laughs> I want to go back to another Gandalf humble brag. Mm. This is going to be my job throughout this entire episode. <laughs> to just pick out I'm going to okay. pick these out as we find them. Uh, they're talking about... Gimli's talking about uh, when they're still talking about the ants. Oh, three things I want to bring up, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Gandalf is... or Gimli's talking about Fangorn and about how it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And here's here's your uh, second oh, Gandalf yeah. humble brag I remember of the this chapter. Uh, dangerous, cried Gandalf, and so am I. Very dangerous. More dangerous than anything you will ever meet unless you are brought alive before the seat of the Dark Lord. Very, very humble brag. Not very humble, actually. It's not mostly humble just, at all. Mostly just a brag there. You're right. It's not humble at all. Uh, the second thing, uh, before we move past the Ents, uh, Jimmy was nice enough to figure out how long an Ent stride actually oh, yeah. well, is. Well, I wasn't we, nice enough. That was actually... What's her uh, name? Carol? Car Karen Wynn Karen. Fonstad. Yeah, thank you again. Author of the Atlas of Middle-Earth. Shouts out Karen again. Uh, she figured out an inch stride is equal to about seven and a half feet, which I, I can't remember what our guess was. I'd have to listen to that. I think it was again. like we said six? fourteen. What? Yeah, I thought we said it was. Oh, a lot I thought it was like that. I thought we said it was like six or oh, so I well, we were close. Regardless, we're pretty close. Um, For those of you who are lying awake that night wondering how long is an inch step, probably most of you. I'm assuming everyone. It's seven and a half feet. <clears throat> so now you can all rest easy. You're welcome. Knowing exactly how long an inch step uh, is. Which doesn't make any sense because ints have to have different size steps depending on That's which true. Is. That's very true. I guess it just happens that's to be... That's the average. Like maybe. Yeah. Like a foot is like not actually the length of a human foot. It's just... Right. Okay. Karen went and measured all the different ints. Of course she did. Uh, she and, yeah, averaged them out. Uh, the third thing. Um, okay. Going back to... Because I know we've talked about this a lot, is Aragorn's poor decision-making. Yeah. Um, Gandalf well, kind of... Well, in his eyes, poor decision-making. Right. Uh, he's his own harshest critic. He's Yes, he's very hard on himself for some of the decisions he's made that's ultimately led... Well, now only one person to their death, but <laughs> uh, we'll say one and a half people. Right. Um, so Gandalf kind of sets his mind at ease... Um, yeah, and says, "Come, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, do not regret your choice in the Valley of the Immen Wheel, nor call it a vain pursuit. You chose amid doubts the path that seemed right. The choice was just, and it has been rewarded. For so we have met in time, who otherwise might have met too late." Yeah. So finally, maybe Aragorn can get some some closure some, on that decision yeah. making. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in a tough spot. You know, he did the best with what he had, the knowledge he had, and right can't fault a man for that so uh after they've at this point they're they're heading off to Edoras, right they decided mary and pippin are good on their own they're starting an int revolution they're gonna head to Edoras. uh it goes ill with king theoden uh which is what gandalf says yeah so uh i'm pretty sure this is on their way there yeah as basically as they're as they're leaving or right before they leave i can't remember which 
um, they ask Gandalf what happened to him. Time out. Some, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Before we get there. Okay. Um, they uh, they're kind of deciding like well they're not really deciding they're kind of letting Gandalf know uh, we're following you okay. you're 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 our, I think uh, Aragorn calls them their banner their captain and their banner yeah uh, right before that happens uh, as they're getting getting ready to go I'm just gonna read this because yeah, read it's it. it's a we we've been getting a lot of these pictures painted of basically through Legolas and Gimli's eyes of these moments where Aragorn looks very kingly. Like kingly. Yeah. And here's one of I think this is my favorite example so far. Him and it might Gandalf. be my one of my favorite parts of this whole book so Ooh, far. Okay. I'm just gonna read it out. Um the gray figure of the man capitalized man, by the way. <laughs> Uh, the gray figure of the man, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, was tall and stern as stone, his hand upon the hilt of his sword. He looked as if some king out of the mists of the sea had stepped upon the shores of lesser men. And then they yeah. describe Gandalf. <laughs> uh, Read it. Before him stooped the old figure, white, shining now as if with some, as if with some light kindled within, bent, laden with years, but holding a power beyond the strength of kings. Yeah, good descriptions on both of those. Okay, Jimmy, take it away. <laughs> no, I'm glad. Anytime you have those, I jump will, in. Believe me, I, I will love not hearing. Hesitate. I love hearing your favorite parts of the book as well. <clears throat> okay, so this was at, so. If we're talking about favorite parts of books, this was so far oh. this uh, description that Gandalf gives of his uh, adventures <laughs> in the depths of of Moria with the Balrog is one of my favorites. It's great. Yeah, so they asked Gandalf, which this would have been my first question. <laughs> how how are you alive? What's <laughs> right. happening with you? Don't let us tell you our story. Yeah. So they're like, you know, come on, like tell us what happened. Like, how are you alive? How did you fight the Balrog? Uh, and at first he says, even if he had a whole year to spend telling this story, yeah. he still could not tell them the full story. Right. So obviously we're just getting like I want to know. Main I want to know the full year. Yeah, I want to know everything. But he's just giving us this, the yeah. the highlighted version. Yeah. Essentially. Um so this is what he says. Uh he fell for a long time uh basically just falling straight down into Middle Earth. How long do you think they fell? I couldn't even venture to guess. How long is okay? So nine point eight three meters per second is <laughs> not do this. No, I'm just saying that that's how fast they would have been falling. <laughs> sure, without air resistance. <laughs> Whatever they were falling for a long time. What do you uh, think? Like maybe an hour longer? Less than that. Less than that? Less than an hour. Okay. An hour is too much. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because they. So if you think they fell to a to a the bottom okay so he he says that he falls to the uttermost foundations of stone beyond light and knowledge that's um, pretty far which is pretty far what, but okay, 10 minutes let's say 15 okay 15 they minutes. fell for 15 okay that's minutes. a long time <laughs> right to fall maybe 10. they're probably hauling they're, they're so they how, how, how how fast do people fall when they jump out of airplanes isn't it like 220 miles an hour or something you're asking the wrong person <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, I'll defer to you up. on this 220 <laughs> miles per hour Okay, so they fall for a really long time. That's the, that's the gist of it. Uh, and like I said, he falls to he calls it the uttermost foundations of stone beyond light and knowledge, uh, into basically uh, a deep watery abyss. Uh, and the way that it's uh, shown at the beginning of the two towers is actually it's perfect. is perfect. I like it. Um, so basically, him and the Balrog are kind of fighting all the way down as they're as they're falling. 
they fall into this deep watery abyss uh, where the Balrog's fire is extinguished. Uh, but Gandalf says it became a thing of slime, stronger than a strangling snake, which is kind of scary. Yeah, that's weird. So it was a weird slimy thing after the fire went out. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, he's basically in the depths of the basically the lowest known spot probably that you could possibly get to on the yeah, earth. for sure. Um, so he says that he, so at this point he had to track the Balrog through these tunnels, uh, and he says they were gnawed by nameless things that are older and unknown even to Sauron. So these things are, I mean, he, he doesn't give much more of a description, right? Um, but the, it just sounds really creepy the way it he does it. It sounds so creepy. I like it, though. Yeah. It sounds really cool at the same time. Yeah, it uh, was, I was definitely picturing some crazy, yeah. like, <laughs> looking, oh my god, Monsters. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, I think Gan- Gandalf knows more, obviously. He's yeah. just not telling. I think he even says, like, I'm not going to he darken this day with yeah. any more information about right. that. Anyway, he's tracking this Balrog because the Balrogs, he doesn't know how to get out of there. He's trying to uh, follow this Balrog out to the, uh, perfect timing, um, out to basically from the from these dungeons of nameless monsters. Um, so eventually they come to uh, the Endless Stair. Uh, so this is basically a mythical construction to dwarves at the time. Right. They, some dwarves think that it's been destroyed or lost. Other dwarves think it think that it was never actually made. Right. It's just a legend. Essentially, the endless stair uh, was it's real, and it was built from this some of the lowest possible probably areas the lowest probably the lowest up to the top of one of the mountains that's right above Moria and in, in the Misty Ke- Mountains. Kelebdil, I think it is. Uh, Kelebdil. Yeah, Kelebdil. Which in the film you kind of just get this sense like Gandalf's being like hyperbolic with his description from but he's literally fighting from the lowest lowest dungeon to the the highest highest peak yeah that's literal yeah he's literally coming from the lowest (laughs) dungeon to the highest peak yeah Uh, and I don't know how long the stairs are he says like many thousands of steps or something it's gotta be a hundred it's a lot it's very tall (laughs) I'm not gonna gonna ask. ask you how many steps how many feet from the lowest dungeon to the highest peak? How tall is Mount Everest? 29,000 feet. Okay. Let's say it's a little bit less. It's not as tall as Mount Everest, probably. But it's probably the, close. The mountain? Yes. Probably not. It's probably pretty close. Let's say 20,000. Let's say the mountain's 20,000 feet. And then below, he falls... Uh, Mariana's Trench deep. <laughs> no. <laughs> not Mariana's <laughs> Trench. Let's say... I I literally have no idea. <laughs> I've, 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 what do you think? I was gonna say higher than the mountain. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. That's way too far. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, so if he fall if he falls farther than the mountain down, yeah. What did you say the mountain was probably twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. So forty more but than forty thousand feet. So. Maybe not because from the distance he falls, he's already like half, he's already, halfway yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, in the mountain. Let's say it's halfway. Okay, so let's just for the sake of argument, say who cares? <laughs> <laughs> let's say he he walked up forty thousand feet, feet of stairs. Steps. Yeah, That's and a if each guess. one of those steps is six inches, <laughs> uh, it's a long way. That's eighty thousand steps. Is what we're trying to say. I'm gonna say it's eighty. Just press the steps. skip forward fifteen seconds on your podcast app because you don't need to hear any of that that we just said. <laughs> anyway, it's a long way. 
Uh, he's fighting this Balrog up the entire way through the Endless Stair, which was built by the dwarves, like we said. Uh, so Gandalf follows the Balrog all the way up to uh, the mountain peak of uh, Celebdil, like we said. Uh, and he basically, he, this is so high that it's up in the clouds almost. Like they're surrounded by clouds. I think it's above the clouds. Yeah, it's above the clouds. There's clouds around them. There's clouds yeah. underneath them. Right. And this is where they, they duke it out, right? Yeah. Uh, and again, this scene is super cool in, in the film. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so they battle, and at this point, the Balrog had regained his flame. I don't know when he, like, reignited himself or whatever. Right. Uh, and, and Gandalf says that the battle would have looked like a lightning storm, basically, to anybody right. that was looking upon the mountain. So there was lightning and fire and thunder and crazy stuff going uh, on. Humble brag uh, time. Um... He's talking when he's describing the battle. Uh, after he talks about how the Balrog bursts into new flame, yeah, uh, he says there was none to see, or perhaps in after ages songs would still be sung of the Battle of the Peak. <laughs> it's like people thousands of years from now will, will sing about this. Yeah. Okay, so then I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read this next part because it just sounds so cool. So this is him describing his battle with the Balrog. <clears throat> A great smoke rose about us, vapor and steam. Ice fell like rain. I threw down my enemy, and he fell from the high place and broke the mountainside where he smote it in his ruin. Then darkness took me, and I strayed out of thought and time, and I wandered far on roads that I will not tell. So he... Basically the way he describes it in the film is very similar to this, but yeah. he takes the Balrog down, he kills it, but at the same time he... He basically dies. He in dies. The process. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm comfortable saying yeah, that he dies. He dies in the process, uh, and like he says, he wandered far on roads that he will not tell. So basically, like whatever the equivalent to heaven is, I don't think he go. He doesn't go because there's like the undying lands, which is like kind of a real place, but yeah, not. It's that's that's different. Undying lands, different. you're you're phys, you're actually you're, it's like a physical form. His spirit, exactly. his spirit has traveled. It's to some to other, like, dimension, dimension almost. Yeah. Exactly. It's a different dimension. Yeah. But he's sent back. Yes. Uh, and he makes sure that we know that he was naked. He was naked. I don't know why that matters, but he says he was naked when he was sent back. <clears throat> and if you watch the film, you'll notice he's, he's naked, naked in the film, too. That's, you only see his shoulders. That's but, true. Yeah. What is the significance of that? Like a rebirth? Like, it's basically... I think that's what I was assuming. Yeah. It's like a rebirth type situation. Uh, Coming to this world naked and... Yeah. You don't have to leave it naked, but... But it's better if he didn't. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> so anyway, he, he tells him about how he basically was sent back. Uh, he doesn't say it outright, but he was sent back by the gods, right? The yeah. Valar is is what I assume. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so in this on this mountain peak, he was found by Gwaihir, uh, the, the same eagle that we were talking about before. Uh, and he took him to... Uh, he took him to Lothlorien. That's where he brings... Right. The eagle brings Gandalf to Lothlorien. And he says Galadriel had actually sent him to do that. Yeah, so somehow she knew what was going on. Yeah. Probably their, like, ring uh, ring buddy power that they have. The ring buddy power. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's actually called, ring buddy power. <laughs> and he, the eagle actually says... Uh, Oh, about light, uh, light, light, yeah. light as a swan's feather in my claw. You are the sun shines through you. Indeed, I do not think you need me anymore. Were I to let you fall, you would float upon the wind. And then Gandalf's like, "Well, don't drop me. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that." Uh, so, so yeah, he he sees Gladril and Lothlorien, and he actually brings messages to all three: uh, Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn. 
Uh, would you like to comment on any of these? Do you have any thoughts about them? I do. So first he addresses Aragorn. Right. He addresses Aragorn. Mm -hmm. uh, everything's pretty straightforward. And then the he talks line. about the Grey Company uh, ride from the north, but dark is the path appointed for thee. The dead watch the road that leads to the sea. What did so you I think about? I was immediate, I immediately thought about the dead army in the... Uh, the paths of the, the dead. In the dim hole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I looked up Grey Company. Okay, I did not. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, because okay. it's it's going to spoil something that happens later in the books that's not in the film. Yeah, which I, I spoiled for myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not spoiled for me. I'm, thank you for not spoiling that for me. Yeah. Um, I Grey didn't, Company. I didn't look up anything about... Is it the, an elf party? No, Jimmy, shut okay, up. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I didn't look up anything about what she says to Legolas. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward, but a bit cryptic. Yeah. Uh, I didn't look it up either, just because, I mean... Well, what did you think about it? What is Beware of the sea? Uh, it literally just says that. It says, uh, beware of the sea, exclamation point. Yeah. If thou uh, hearest the cry of the gull on the shore, thy heart shall then rest in the forest no more. Yeah, I have no idea. I was raking my mind for things that from the film that I could possibly connect to that. There's nothing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know Legolas eventually goes across the sea to the Undying Lands, yeah. but that doesn't make any sense. I hope we get some deeper. I think we will. Legolas. There's no way because even in the film, he's pretty one-dimensional. He definitely is. He's just like the pretty face. Yeah. Uh, to go in the background. So I don't know. I hope we get something cool with that because uh, I'd like to see his character fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah. <clears throat> and then to Gimli. Uh, to Gimli, uh, she says. Um, lock bearer, referring to the locks of her hair that he has. Uh, wherever thou goest, my thought goes with thee, but have a care to lay thine axe to the right tree. This seems like a fortune cookie style <laughs> little thing that she. It totally is. Like she didn't really have like anything yeah. like important to say to Gimli, but she's like, Gimli, you're my buddy. Here's a little fortune cookie. Yeah. Like, uh, but say. it's also like, hey, remember when you uh, were pretty hasty to want to chop Gandalf's yeah. head off yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. you should think a little bit before you <clears throat> go swinging your axe that's true it's like a think before you act act. type a little yeah. uh, uh, a little line for him reflect but he's before, before you, you snack, snack. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the Mulan Codex. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so basically this just for Gimli this is the best thing in the world though yeah he, he's oh like yeah dancing around and I think he's seen some dwarven song <laughs> uh, and so he's he's ready to go. This amps him up that he's hearing from the love does. of his life, Galadriel. Um, was that? All, I mean, there's most of those are pretty straightforward. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on on those? Before uh, on? No, that was basically okay. Uh, okay, so next, uh, they're again they're trying to get to Edoras. Uh, so Gandalf calls for Shadowfax, mm -hmm. uh, and he does the the whistle. Yeah. Uh, I like the whistle in the. That's the one. Yep. Something like that. <laughs> it's pretty close to that, but way better, obviously. <laughs> so Shadowfax comes up after Gandalf does this like magical whistle, uh, which uh, Alex just did his best to... He did a pretty good job. You're welcome. And uh, But the other horses that ran off, uh, I can't remember their names at the moment. Hasselfeld and Erod. Yes, thank you. So the ones that ran off from... That were given to them by uh, Amir, they're with Shadowfax. They're old buddies. Uh, so they all end up coming up to them, uh, and Gandalf just straight up just talks to him. He's like, "Hey guys, like this is what we gotta do. This is what's the plan. Like take us there." And so the horses 
can understand him, obviously, because why not? And uh, so basically they get on these horses, uh, and they ride straight for Edoras. Uh, so Edoras, again, is... So that's the, the capital of Rohan. Rohan. This is where King Theoden is. Uh, this is the next part of their journey. They have to get there. Uh, and also, at the very end of the chapter, they see smoke rising in the distance where they think Isengard would be. Right. And I is that just like the smoke of industry or is that like battle smoke? So Gandalf describes it well, he doesn't describe it. He basically uses a metaphor. Yeah. Or like an all encompassing statement to describe what the smoke is. Battle and war, which could still it mean could be industry. Either one. Yeah. <clears throat> battle and war is in he's creating an army. Or, or battle, battle and war is in there's, there's literally a battle, battle going right. on right now. Hard to say. I think it's probably... I don't think there's a battle I don't yet. think there is either. I think that's just the, the smoke of I agree. industry. I agree. That's the end of Chapter 5. And the White Rider. Five. Um, a lot of good stuff in there. So good. Um, very good uh, descriptions of some of the lower places. Grab me one. Some of the lower places in Middle-earth. Um, was there anything that you wanted to uh, touch on before we move on to the next chapter? Um... No. Okay. I think it's pretty. It's it's really really similar to the film. Yeah, I um, agree. I'm trying to think of what the big differences were in the because I remember thinking something was different and now I can't remember what it was. I mean, at the heart of all the scenes and from the film, they they pretty much encompass what's really going on in the book in these chapters. All right. Sorry. In this. In this. In chapter. this chapter. This, in this chapter. This following chapter is. It's definitely different. A lot different. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's go. Okay. Take chapter six. The King of the Golden Hall. Gimli, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gandalf. We need a new name. We need a new name for them. The four. I the put four. the foursome. The foursome. I'm Let's call go them the four. The four. Okay. <laughs> so the four uh, are riding to Edoras. And they get like a few hours of sleep that night. Like they're this is go time. They Gandalf have no time. Is like a machine. It's like he was reborn or something Maybe, recently. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh they only get like a few hours of rest uh that night. Uh and then in the morning uh they they continue riding and they see Edoras in the distance. Well, I think it was Legolas, because he's always the first person. Legolas sees it. Yeah. Yeah. So they see Edoras uh, in the distance, and basically it's at the very southern tip of the the Misty Mountains, right? And it's pretty close to Isengard. Isengard is west right. of Edoras, but they're fairly close to one another. Yeah, but they're... So Isengard... The way I picture Isengard is on the western side of the mountain. Okay. Where, of the mountains, whereas... The mountain chain. Whereas Edoras would be on the east side. Okay, is that so? Is that based on your map you're looking at? I'm looking at my map. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe the uh, <clears throat> so the gap of Rohan is like uh, a little sliver of plains that splits the mountain chain into. Right. Okay. I think maybe Edoras is like right in that gap. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. It would kind of make sense. Uh, to have the str- strategically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any anybody coming through <clears throat> would the have gap to pass by, would pass through Edoras. But it doesn't say. Oh, okay. Here I do see it. So, um, 
Where's the, where's the gap of Rohan? It's okay. So the gap of Rohan uh, is yeah that gap that splits the mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the the Misty Mountains. Right. Isengard um, is north uh, northwest of that. So on the other side of the mountain. Uh, as you pass through the Gap of Rohan and go southeast from there, Edoras lies uh, just at the foot of the Misty Mountains. Okay. You're welcome, everybody. Now that we have that all set in stone, um, Gandalf warns them to kind of keep their cool uh, when they're before King Théoden, uh, king of the, the Mark of Rohan, because he Gandalf already suspects something that will end up being true, but he thinks that there's something going on and Thaden might not be uh, himself. Completely himself, yeah. yes. Um, they also pass by, so they're riding up to Edoras, um, and they pass by the barrows, the the, um, the burial grounds of right. the old Rohirrim kings, uh, and they have these, um, they have a really cool scene in, I think it's only in the extended edition. Is it only in the extended? Which one? The one where he's uh, burying his... No, that's Thaden's. in the original. Is it? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Symbol one. Yeah. Epa has grown on the tombs of my full bears. Exactly. It's one of my favorite scenes. It's a, it's <laughs> a really cool scene. Um, anyway, so they pass by the these this burial ground um, with, again, these the, the white flowers that grow on them. Yeah. Um, and Layla says, I don't know how he knows this. Maybe he just knows based on his history. But he says Edoras has been there for uh, 500 years. He says 500, something like 500, 500 times, times have the red leaves fallen in Markwood in my home since then. Exactly. And I'm assuming that they have a yearly cycle of seasons, I, I assume. It's got to be. It's got to be. Um, so 500 years, which is a long time for humans. Right. Um, because there's like nine generations or something of kings yeah. buried here. Uh, but Legolas is like, oh, that's like nothing. Yeah. Men get a lot of like... They a lot of their stuff gets cast aside because everybody's like they don't even live that long. Nothing yeah is nothing like, matters that yeah. they do. <laughs> but Aragorn kind of explains like it matters even more yeah. to them. Be, it's it's just like that the thing we've always of, talked about the gift of the mortality. gift of men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before showing we move against, on, showing it again. Yeah, what's up? Uh, the symbol mina the, okay. the the flowers. The flowers. <clears throat> I wanted to look them up because it's such a. It's it gets a lot of attention in the film. They literally have a close up on the flower, yeah. and then it it's right. beautiful. It really is, and in the extended, they even go is even it more is into there, it. Okay. Uh, but so I looked it up. I wanted to see if there's anything special about it. Uh, it grow it so it does grow on for some reason it grows on these uh, these tombs of people who are uh, kinsmen of Earl the. Okay, I thought, really you're, young I thought you were talking about in real life for a second. No, okay. that'd be cool. I thought you were uh, like, yeah, Tolkien's... It's not, a real, it's not a real flower. Okay, okay. Um, but right. something I'd found out about it is the only other place that it grows... It grows in a lot of places, and let me take that back, because okay. the elves have names for it, and right. it grows all over the place, but uh, in terms of on tombs, um, excuse me, it only grows uh, on the tombs of Theoden's ancestors, but it also covers the tomb of Elendil. Oh, yeah. a little fun, little fun fact for you guys. That's very interesting. Yeah. I don't know why, but, but I like I like it. Yeah, I thought that was cool. <clears throat> so, as they're passing by this burial ground, uh, Aragorn is struck by this f- 
feeling of needing to sing, which happens a lot. I don't blame <laughs> him. It happens to everybody. Uh, so he sings this little song, which, if I'm not mistaken, is part in the film it's used by Theoden right. at the Battle of Helm's Deep. Correct. Um, would you like to go into any more detail about this song that Aragorn sings? It's uh, about... It's about. Uh, well, you tell me what it's about. It's about Earl the... Is it Earl the Young, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Earl mm-hmm. the Young and his charge into the... Uh, well, he even describes it. Um, yeah, oh, he yeah. does. Uh, recalling how... Thus thus spoke a forgotten poet long ago in Rohan, recall, recalling how tall and fair was Earl the Young, who rode down out of the north, and there were wings upon the feet of his steed, Felroth, father of horses. So men still sing in the evening. Which, that's, that's basically it. It's just a nod to Rohan yeah. and kind of... Aragorn, Aragorn does have some sort of special relationship with this place. Well, he's spent time. He spent with time with the Rohirrim. Uh, he also knows their language. They have a yeah. They, they have, have a, a distinct language, right? Um, which comes into play in just a little bit, yeah. actually. Uh, but Gandalf is familiar with their language, and so is Aragorn. Yeah. So yeah, he sings this little song. Uh, Where now the horse and rider? It's the song. Do you know what the song is called? Ooh, horse and rider. No, that's the that's like the the colon. Oh, okay, okay. The secondary the, name? The song is called The Lament of the Rohirrim. Interesting. Yeah. The Lament. So it's like, this great king is no longer with us. It's a, it's a sad, it's a lamentation. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so uh, that's a cool little song um, that Aragorn sings for yeah. them. And when Theoden says it in the films, like before he's heading out to battle. It's very much a, it's a very, it's heavy scene. It's heavy. Yeah, that's good. It's good stuff. Um... But yeah, he just so that people are aware that of what we're talking about in in the Battle of uh, Helm's Deep, he's about this is like right before he makes his last stand, basically, mm-hmm. or what he assumes will be his last. stand. Exactly, like he's assuming he's going to his death. Yeah. He, and he reads the lament of the Rohirrim. Yeah, he sings at least like one or two of these lines. Yeah, um, yeah, he sings that the first line and then like the last couple lines, except for the. Well, not the last couple lines. The line before the last couple lines. And then Either he way. says, how, how did it come to this? Yeah. Um, so hopefully we get some a cool scene like that uh, in the book. We'll see what happens. So Aragorn sings this song as they're riding up to uh, Edoras. Um, so the four, uh, the four companions uh, get a pretty wary welcome from the guards at Eteros. Uh, first of all, they're all speaking in Rohirrim. They all know the common tongue, which is what's spoken by everybody. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, they're speaking in their own language, uh, in their own language, which is the, the Rohirrim language. Uh, and they basically ask them why this strange group of people uh, are riding up on horses that look a lot like Rohirrim horses, uh, which is a fair question because they are they are their horses. <clears throat> And then, actually, one of the guards uses a line that... Steals Legolas. Legolas's line. Yeah. Well, Legolas steals his line. Mm, but no. I don't look at it that way. Uh, where, oh, yeah. He's one of the Meras, unless, my eye, unless our eyes are cheated by some spell, which is what Legolas says in the film when he first sees uh, Shadowfax. Right. So, that line... There's is, a few lines in this chapter that belong to other characters in the film. Yeah. Um, also, before that line, uh, they basically say that no one's welcoming. The reason that they're using their own tongue is that they're basically anyone anyone who wouldn't understand this is not welcome here. Yeah, right. Uh, they also say that uh, uh, none are welcome here in days of war, but our own folk and those that come from Mundberg in the land of Gondor, 
And I think Mundberg is their word for Minas Tirith. Oh, really? I think. I think it comes up one more time. It does come up in this one chapter, more time. and I'm pretty sure. I think you're right. Now that I think about it, which is because weird. they talk about um, somebody assuming that the party was heading to Mundberg. Yeah. Which so that's just well, for whatever reason that's their word for. You keep going. I'm okay, it look it up. I'll keep going. Uh, so basically, they're very wary of these strangers. Uh, most people aren't welcome here, although apparently the, the men of Gondor are still uh, welcome. However, uh, they're very wary of these four strangers. Uh, <clears throat> Aaron tries to explain what went, uh, what was going on. He basically tells them these horses were given to them by Amir, uh, and, he, and he also asks where Amir is now. He basically tells him, I told Amir I would meet him here. What's going on? Where's Amir? Uh, do you have an answer for us? Yep, it's exactly what you thought. Mundberg was the name given to Minas Tirith by the Rohirrim of Rohan in their own tongue. Hmm. Much more of a blue-collar... Oh, here's, here's a good little fun fact. Okay. Uh, just a nod to Tolkien and his uh, language abilities and how he actually... He doesn't just pull these <clears throat> names out of his head. By right. The they, he, they all have like an actual... It's like... Tie into some language. Exactly. And a description, uh, a definition of the word. It'd be like, Mund means this. Presumably comes from the Old English Mundbjorg, meaning protecting hill. Oh. So the guards do not trust these people, uh, the four the four companions. Um, Aragorn tries to explain what's going on. He asks where Amir is because if he can see Amir, then Amir yeah. got a vouch for him, right? So the guard is a little bit. He he doesn't want to say anything about Amir, um, uh, but he also lets them know that uh, this this a person called Wormtongue. Uh, told them two nights ago to not let any strangers pass. He sounds like a reputable character. Yeah, just with that name, you just want to trust him right away. That's not actually his name. That's just what people call him. His real name is Grima. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get into him later. So Wormtongue told them that there's no strangers that can come by. Gandalf is fed up with this. <laughs> he tells him just to go get Theoden and tell him that we're here. Uh, and um, they do that. The guards come back and say that they're allowed to come in as long as they give up all their weapons, right? That's the stipulation. <clears throat> yep. Which ends up being a really big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they end up walking through Edoras up to the the Great Hall. Shoot, I can't remember what the hall's called. Starts with an M. Starts with an M. Dang it, and Jimmy. I can't, you wouldn't have said anything. I, I would can't have remember exactly what it was called. Okay. Uh, you look for it. They're it's walking. like Manasel. I'm trying to think of... I'm just thinking it's, of when it, Gandalf says it in the it, film. It looks like Medusa. That's what it Metaseld is. Metaseld? What it is. That's what, I haven't seen it yet, but now I remembered what it was. Okay. M-E-D-U-S-E-L-D. Okay. I think. Metaseld. That's yeah. where we're going with. That There it is. <clears throat> yep. Metaseld. Okay. That's the name of the hall that Theoden is in. So they're walking there, and they do a little description of Edoras. Uh, they do a great job in the films of building... I was about to say, I think it's the most accurate representation of a uh, setting. Yeah, it's really the, good. In the book versus the film. They built that whole thing in yeah. real life, right? Yeah, they yeah. did. They did a really good job with that. Anyway... I uh, watched a little <clears throat> documentary thing about... Of course you did. Uh, the, <laughs> the guy who... Uh, the set designer who drew all the... I think is that his the name's same, Alan, Alan... Is that the same guy that you bought the book from? Yes. Okay. Alan Lee, yeah. I think is his name. Gosh, I can't... I need to get that right. I think that's right. Uh, but he was... We've shouted him out on, on this 
Yeah, we did. Before. He's a he's like a fantasy um, illustrator. Illustrator, and he drew all these pictures of from his mind. From his mind, like after he yeah. read the books, and they used him to design the sets. Yeah, and he did a yeah bang so up job. He, they flew him over New Zealand in a helicopter, and he saw that hill, and he was like. That's it. That's Edoras. I can't right remember there. if you've told that story on an episode before or if you just not. told me. <laughs> Either way, I love that story. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you keep going. I'm going to figure out what this guy's name okay. is so I can do him some uh, justice. So uh, the next character we're introduced to is Hama, who's a, just a trusty. He's a trusty guy. Uh, Hama, who you is recognize that name, Jimmy? Yeah, he's the the name of. Why haven't we talked about this before? No. Recognize it. Yeah. I mean, it's the name of the the same character in the movie, the film, right? The the kid's dad. The kid's dad from Helm's Deep. What? The kid that comes up to Aragorn and shows him a sword. Oh no! Hama, Hama is Son his. Of Hama. Hama is his dad. Now I now I can picture it in my mind. Yeah, but I had no idea. So I don't know exactly who if he's even depicted in the films. I thought he the, was. Is there a the different name the, for the for his his right hand man? I don't know if they ever say his name. Well, no, that's so. Gambling is the oh, guy who, thank you, yes. But the like, guy who takes their weapons at the gate is not gambling. It's okay. a different guy. That, he, gets, that's he, he gets eaten by a ward. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not I him. Hope, <laughs> I hope not. Oh man! But it might have been because if not, <laughs> if not, he probably would have been with his son at Helm's Deep, right? And he's not. That's true. Man. And 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 what's his name? Hala Hallam, the son, the kid. I can't. remember. He doesn't seem like he's in very good spirits. No, at all. he seems like his dad just died. died. <laughs> Poor Hama. Okay. Well, hopefully he he fares better in the in the book here. Anyway, he introduces himself. Uh, he's the door ward, which basically means he watches the door. <laughs> so he's taking their weapons, uh, and so he takes Legolas's weapons. He tries to take Aragorn's weapons, and Aragorn all of a sudden gets super cocky. He yeah. Uh, and then I mean, basically, he says like, "I'll kill anyone like, who I tries to kill take... every single <laughs> yeah. one of you before you take this sword from my body." <laughs> eventually, after much ado, he eventually. Uh, Basically, Gandalf has to yeah. be like, "Come on, come on, like, dude, let's get with the show." He eventually lays his sword against the wall and basically says, "If anybody touches this, I'm killing them. I'm tracking them down and killing them." And so uh, Gimli is in like, "All right, well, I'll leave my stuff too if if Aragorn leave his stuff." Gandalf gets away with his staff. <laughs> they try. They try to. Well, after all the grief he gave Aragorn yeah. about like, just leave it, man. Yeah, and then they try like, to take Gandalf's staff. staff. He's like, like, "What? what? <laughs> I, I need my staff." And then, <laughs> So he he gets away with it though. He's like, you know, you wouldn't part an old man from his walking stick, right. which is and Aragorn's like kind of laughing at him. Like every man has something that he won't give up. Yep. Um, the so guy's yeah. name is Alan Lee, by the way. Yeah, I Alan think I said Lee. that correctly. Shout out to Alan Lee. Thanks, Alan Lee, uh, for just doing a great job. So Gandalf gets to keep his staff. Uh, they they enter into the Great Hall. Again, the the Great Hall looks great in the films. It lo- it looks awesome. Uh, so this great hall has a has a stone floor and these giant wooden beams and wooden pillars and uh, a bunch of like woven art. Uh, and they specifically talk about one of them being a, a picture of Errol the Young. Errol the Young. Uh, they just describe it, and you can actually see he's like blowing his horn. It's, yeah. It brings up some of the imagery of the song right. that Gand- or not Gandalf, the song that Aragorn sings. Mm-hmm. 
as they're riding up to Eteros. So that's pretty cool. So they're in uh, they're in the the Hall of Thaden. Uh, Thaden is sitting in a throne at kind of the far end of this hall, uh, with what's described as this young woman who I assumed right away was Eowyn. Right. And another man with him who I assumed was Wormtongue. You assumed correctly. But he also he also describes Wormtongue as looking like wise. Yeah, which is weird. That was weird. Like in the in the in the film, he just looks like a despicable. They person. made him look maybe a little too. Like his eyebrows maybe. are gone. Yeah, and like he's, he's like, like pasty. He's so pasty. He's gross looking. <laughs> yeah, he's like green looking. Yeah, he, I think, he's a man of Rohan, right? I think so. He, he looks like he's from somewhere else. Yeah, I think he, he looks like, like Jack White. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jack Jack White's cool, but yeah. he he's probably pretty creepy looking. Uh, basically, I think he's like a normal dude who just happens to be maybe not such a nice person. Yeah. And does he actually have like a forked tongue? No. He doesn't? That's just, Why do they call him worm tongue? Well, worms aren't Forked, I guess. Snake tongue would be if he had. A <laughs> well, Gandalf says keep your forked. Tongue I think it's because I think that's just like calling him a snake, like okay. a liar, kind gotcha. of. But he does have like a weirdly long tongue. I think they say. I'm <laughs> okay. serious. I, there's one part where they talk about his tongue being weirdly long. Okay, I think that's why they call. Yeah, him I get. Uh, I don't. Yeah, worms don't have tongues. No, but his his tongue looks like a worm. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> uh, Again, hit your plus 15 <laughs> seconds exactly. on here. Okay. Uh, so Gandalf greets Theoden, uh, and Theoden kind of disrespects Gandalf. Uh, he basically says uh, kind of the same way he does in the film. Yeah. Every time you show up, you have, you have you know, bad news. He is a um, herald of woe. Exactly. Um, let me make sure I'm not losing my spot so I don't miss anything. Did I did I jump past anything? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, yeah, so basically uh, he, you know, why should I welcome you, Gandalf Stormcrow? Yeah. It's same line from the film. Uh, so... A just question, my Exactly. Face. Wormtongue jumps up and uh, he, he basically says the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you speak justly, Lord. Uh, and he also talks about... Um, Theodred. He says, It was not uh, yet five days since the bitter tidings came that Theodred, your son, was slain upon the West Marches. Right. Uh, West Marches. Which marks, like, one of the first big difference that jumped out at me um, in the books versus the films is that in the film, like, Theodred is wounded and they, uh, Aemir takes him back to Edoras where yeah. they try to healing but he succumbs to his wounds too far gone yeah yeah and they tell Theoden and he's so like out of it he doesn't even it doesn't even register with him yeah he's so poisoned by worm uh by worm tongue yeah via Saruman right or Saruman via worm tongue that's the appropriate way to say it uh ill news is an ill guest as he says um and he basically asks them uh what they have to offer Rohan Right, he says, "Okay, if you truly are here and yeah. you want to help, he's like, we're at war. We need swords, spears, and spears. And horses, and yeah. men. Like, where do you have any of this? How are you supposed to help us?" Yeah. Uh, and then Wormtongue also disrespects uh, uh, Lothlorien. Yeah. And Gimli's about to lose it, of course. <laughs> he basically, I think, sees uh, Gandalf says something about why they're dressed the way they are. They're dressed in elf, uh, elf clothing. Right. 
And he says, uh, is, it is not to be wondered, uh, it is not to be wondered at. Webs of deceit were ever woven from uh, Dwemerden? Yeah. Dwemerden. Which is, I think is the... I don't know whose word that is for Loporian. It's either Rohans or Gondor. Basically, if, if it's if it's Rohans, then this then the song he sings or the poem he says right here is even better because basically it's like at this point Gandalf hasn't really um, thrown anything rough at Wormtongue yet. Right, he's still being pretty civil, uh-huh. and this is kind of his way of saying like don't talk about something you don't know anything about in fact here's a poem from your people that says that exact thing I about think, that exact place i'd like to think that it's that that's the way it went i want to i want to read i want to read this poem good because it. it's good well before so before just to stop you real quick before gandalf reads this poem gimli literally like is about to lunge at him for, <laughs> yeah. he's yeah, talking because he says something about this um Oh, the yeah, sorceress uh, of the you're in league wood. with the sorceress of the golden wood yeah. he he throws some some diss at uh at Lady Galadriel as well. That's that's Gimli's that's Gimli's woman you're yeah, talking you about. You cannot talk about Galadriel. Um, but that. instead of Gandalf like saying, "Hey, punk, you don't know what you're talking about," he he says this poem, which it literally talks about how no man has been to Lothlorien. Therefore, they. I'll just say I'm not going to read the whole poem. The poem's about how no man has ever, no mortal man has ever been to Lothlorien, and. Uh, so how could they know anything about right. something that they haven't seen? More fair than thoughts of mortal yeah. men is the last line. And then he even describes that and says, The wise speak only of what they know, Grima, son, son of Galmod. A witless worm you have become. <laughs> now he's getting in There on. we go. Yeah, he so he casts off his his tattered clothes, his tattered uh, clothing, and you can kind of see him reveal himself, basically. Uh, very similar to the film. Um, Keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. Uh, another line from the film. And then he brings out all of his Gandalf magic. Yeah. He uh, brings they uh, he lifts his staff up. The sun gets blotted out. Uh, they hear thunder, and there's a giant like flash that seems like lightning inside the inside the hall. And so this is basically him revealing his power and breaking the curse of Saruman on Theoden. At least that's what I took it to be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that Gandalf uses his uh, magic and uh, basically frees, like we said, frees Thaden from this from this curse. That's the mo- that's so. When I first read through it, I was like, "There's no defining moment where he actually like frees him." Yeah, he just takes him outside and he's good. So, yeah, it's that. a it's a lot slower of a yeah. transition in the right. in the film. It's like immediately you can see which this is something else I thought of uh, while I was reading. The only time. They talk all the time about how people's physical appearance yeah, changes right. in a moment to represent something that's going on. Right. The only time they show that ever in the film... That's true. ...is it's when Theoden, Theoden uh, they do... They literally change him from looking like an old man yeah. to being a whatever, middle-aged they dude. They do a good job, too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do a good job. Um, so it's really... It happens really quickly in the film. Yeah. In the book, it takes a little bit, right? He stands up and he's able to walk... But he right. still. But is my like, point was like that flash was right, right, probably right. the moment where like, at least the start of. I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. So he uh, he's he's breaking this curse from Theoden, maybe slowly, but uh, so Theoden gets up and he walks him outside. Uh, Gandalf walks him outside, basically to look over his kingdom because it's probably been like I don't know how long I don't know since he's even been outside. But he's basically been like Months. cooped up. 
Maybe with, maybe a year. Yeah, maybe with uh, worm tongue just like whispering poison into his ear, essentially. Right. Um. So yeah, he he walked. Thaden walks outside and is able to look over his kingdom for the first time in a long time. Uh, and this is where some of that transformation kind of starts. Like he's able to stand up more tall. He was walking with a staff all bent over. He's yeah. able to cast his staff down and kind of stand up more tall. He's beginning to uh, kind of regain some of his strength. Uh, but like we said, not quite as drastically as they show in the film. Uh, Thaden then sends for Aemir at Gandalf's request. This is another thing that's different. Aemir is actually being held yeah. captive in Edoras right now. Right. Um, I guess when he came back from attacking the orcs, uh, he got into some kind of he got into a confrontation with uh, with Wormtongue. Well, he also defied uh, Thaden's orders. Right. Thaden's orders so, were to not attack the orcs. Right. Which obviously was Wormtongue trying to influence him to, exactly. to help Saruman. Right. But Aemir was a true Rohirrim and knew what he had to do, even if it was to go against the word of his king. So yeah, when he comes back, he's actually uh, he's thrown in, uh, jail. thrown in jail. Yeah. So they end up bringing he he sends for Aemir. Uh, I think Thaden is starting to realize that a lot of the decisions he's been making have not been his own decisions. Uh, and Aemir, uh, oh, also Gandalf kind of catches Thaden up real quick. He like yeah. gives him a quick yeah. rundown of like what's going on. Although we learn later he does not tell him anything about the ring. He right. leaves that part out. But everything else he kind of catches him up on real quick. Uh, and then Amir brings Theoden uh, a sword. A sword. Right? And uh, a lot more of the transformation happens. I forget who says the line. Don't they say the line your uh, your hands would regain some of their old strength if they, if they were grasped to... a sword, he yeah. says. Let's not skip something, though. Okay, I, I might have. Uh, I'm just going to read it. Thus Aragorn, for the first time in the full light of day, beheld Eowyn, oh, yes. Lady of Rohan, and thought her fair, fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that has not yet come to womanhood. Which was weird. That was weird. <laughs> I remember reading that. Because like, Grima says something like that to her. Uh, he says, oh. like a morning of pale screen... Pale, pale, <laughs> pale spring still clinging to winter's chill or something. Yeah, like he does give her a was, creepy. It's little very creepy poem. Is it? Yeah. even creepier in the book though. <laughs> yeah, something. About, I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't but know. Maybe not quite old enough, Aragorn. Yeah, but anyway, uh, and now yeah, so she was suddenly aware of him, tall heir of kings, wise with many winters, gray cloaked, hiding a power that yet she felt. Yeah. So this is the first spark of the drama that is Boo. <laughs> no I know Boo. you don't like it Here come, I, here's Hama here's where he gets oh, eaten oh right now I don't know if that's actually is that him, him? But that might be we're watching the the scene <laughs> <laughs> in the background on mute we have this the warg uh, attack scene from the two towers going on right now uh, which is one of uh, Alex's favorite scenes I like it <laughs> it's a great scene but back to the book. Uh, yeah, so this, I'm, I'm really glad that you stopped me because I think this is going to be uh, really interesting to see the the dynamic between Aragorn and Eowyn. Because obviously we see their dynamic in the films and basically in the films, Aragorn is always very standoffish. Yeah. And you can tell Eowyn's in love with him <laughs> and everyone knows it, but Aragorn, obviously his heart is with someone else. Yeah. It's with Arwen. 
So we'll see how it how it pans out in the in the book. But yeah, this is their first kind of meeting, uh, and obviously there's already like some kind of something going on. There's a little spark there. Yeah. Even if I'm not as mad about it in the book for some reason because I guess because I'll tell you why Arwen hasn't really yes. their relationship I wanted to I wanted to talk about this at the end of the chapter oh okay well we can wait till the end we'll wait till the end of the chapter because she comes up uh, Awen comes up a few more times throughout the chapter anyway Awen, who is also the he calls her sister daughter yeah. which sounds niece. weird also but That's it's so weird so, the first time I read it I was like what it's his niece and uh, so Awen is his niece is Thaden's niece and Aemir is his nephew brother daughter brother son sister sister son, son. <laughs> <laughs> exactly brother daughter <laughs> that's his niece and nephew okay so uh Thaden like we said Thaden gets gets a the hold of, a hold of a sword not his sword but a sword and there's some more of that kind of transformation that goes on <laughs> there's some more of that transformation that goes on uh, but uh they they end up I think the next thing that happens is they, they bring out his sword with Wormtongue, right? Yeah. Yep. They realize that Wormtongue had hidden uh, the king's sword and a bunch of other stuff. Apparently he's a thief, too, in his chest. <clears throat> so, before we keep going, okay, um, I want to bring this up so we can continue to touch on it as we uh, continue through the chapter. Mm, okay. Uh, you... After uh, Thaden has been awoken and he's got now he has Gandalf in his ear, he's basically taking uh, everything, every advice Gandalf gives him, and he's going with it. Yeah, right? he is. Which in the films he's, it's not immediate. In the films, honestly, it's completely different. The first thing that happens when he, let's talk about this. Okay. First thing he happens when he wakes up is he asks about Theodred. He has right. no idea that he's about Theodred, dead. even though they've told him, and yeah. they say he's. Uh, he's dead. Uh, he, that's with the symbol-minded scene. Yeah. Um, and he kind of cries about the ending of his line, basically, and that possibly the ending of his people. Uh, but anyway, uh, in the in the books, what you get is Thaden waking up, Gandalf catching him up on everything, and then basically Thaden's doing everything yeah he's like go get Amir he's like alright I'll get Amir and then he's like oh you should well so what we're about to talk about right now whenever they bring Wormtongue back and Thaden realizes what Wormtongue has been doing to him in the films he's about to kill him like right then and there I don't know if it's as drastic here but basically or not Aragorn Gandalf counsels Thaden to he says he probably deserves to die but he says you know you basically have to let him go um, I, did he give a good reason, or is he well? Just, so yes, he does. He, I can't remember. Well, at first, Thaden tries to convince him, prove to me that you're a man of Rohan. Yeah, and he gives him come, a, with, come with us to uh, Isengard to to battle to, to battle. He gives him right? a he gives him a choice, and and Wormtongue like kind of shies away from it. He's like, well, you need somebody here to like watch. Watch Ed yeah, Ross like be a steward like, yeah. of Ed Ross, and that's so where like, somebody here somebody pulls up another line that's actually Aemir's line. Uh, I think I don't know who says it. Thaden might say it actually. Uh, what was the promised price that when all the men were dead? Yeah, you'd take your no, this and Gandalf is saying it. Okay, Gandalf yeah, says it. Uh, shoot, where I underlined it. Um. Um. Yeah, how long is it since Saruman bought you? Yeah. What was the promised price? When all the men were dead, you would pay, uh, 
you were to to pick your share of the treasure. Yeah. And he also is, says to take the woman you desire. Oh yeah. Oh. Too long have you watched her under your eyelids and haunted her steps. Also a mirror's line. Yeah. Um. So. <clears throat> uh. Anyway, instead of killing him right there, or. He makes it. He says, "Let me stay." And then Amir's. I think it's Amir who says this. He's like, "What's going to be your next excuse now that yeah. that's not your option?" That, and yeah. basically, instead of killing him, Gandalf says, "Let him choose for himself and see what he decides. Give him the choice to go with you, or to take off, and then see which way he goes." And he of takes course, off. He takes off. He spits at Theoden. Yeah. Takes off, and where you assume he's fleeing to Isengard. Isengard. Uh, one one would assume, and actually, they didn't send some men after him to see where he's going. Yeah, he's like, well, he's like wants to make sure that he doesn't do anything else evil before right. he leaves. But yeah, like, don't don't, don't hurt, hurt him. Don't don't yeah. you know? Don't touch him. Whatever. Just let him do his thing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I'm surprised you didn't stop me about is the the battle cry that Thaden lets out. Oh uh, yeah, the battle with the yeah, yeah, he. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, arise now, arise, riders of Theoden. Uh, he he's, he gives a little battle cry. Yeah, and I can't remember what scene in the film he actually uses that one. Is that in Helm's Deep or is that before the Battle of uh, Pelennor Field? So before the Battle of Pelennor, he says something very similar, but to not that. exactly that. Uh, but not exactly that. But he says fourth Aerolingus when they when he and Aragorn and the what's left of the Rohirrim charge out onto that bridge that goes up to the deep. Right, uh, and they knock all those orcai off the side. Yeah, okay. That's what he says before they gotcha. <clears throat> so at this point, Gandalf starts to again, like we said, he's basically telling Thaden not what he has to do, but he's counseling Thaden on all these different points. So Gandalf's next counsel is that the Rohirrim should ride west uh, and basically just take the battle to Saruman right now right. at Isengard. Uh, and then to have the women and the children and the old people uh, flee. And again, this is where it gets different than, the, f than right. the film, too, because he thinks the women and children and the old people should uh, should go to... Uh, the Hold of Dunharrow. Yes, Dunharrow, which is is not Helm's Deep. Right. Uh, Dunharrow is the in The Return of the King. It's that place where they're all set up camped, where there's like a winding path that leads up to it. Um that's where, for whatever reason... In, I, lo I looked it up. Yeah. So that's where they are planning to go. They yeah. haven't even talked about Helm's Deep yet. Right. And the next chapter is it's called, called Helm's, Helm's Deep. Deep. So I don't know what happens. Something <clears throat> crazy has got to happen. Yeah. So I, But I actually like this move. Um, it makes Theoden seem a lot more on the offensive, right? Yeah. In the films, he's like, okay, like let's just play it safe. Let's right. fall back to... Helm's Deep. Right. Will be safe this there. Is, yeah, this is a huge difference. It's completely different. He's like, let's take the battle to Saruman right now. Let's go attack him. And he does in like a matter of like hours, I feel like. Yeah. They but it's also it. at Gandalf's suggestion. It is. Which in, But if you're so, going to be taking anybody's suggestions. Totally. But in the Gandalf's. film, he does like the opposite, basically, which is after he mourns Theodrid for a while, he starts to come up with this plan and it's, it's all. It's he's super like, defensive. Yeah, and independent. Yeah, like he, and Gandalf. I think he's he going like, against what Gandalf, yeah, Gandalf and everybody else is, especially Gimli. Yeah, yells at Gimli about, uh, or no, he yells at Aragorn, and Gimli uh, kind of wipes his beard <laughs> about it. Uh, but he's basically he basically doesn't want to take any chances, right? He wants yeah. to go to Helm's. He wants to take everybody to Helm's Deep. 
they don't say anything about the hold of Dunharrow. No, not once. So it's definitely a different direction that yeah. he's going. Um, and I like it. I, think I like it's cool. it too. I like it. Um, so uh, again, we have this. I think we may have skipped forward to Wormtongue's decision. We we jumped over we a did. couple things. We did. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Wormtongue still tries to kind of con his way into like yeah. staying here and maybe like ruling over Edoras. But basically, at the end of the day, like we said, he gets this choice to either come and prove himself in battle or to be gone, and he leaves. Yeah. Get a get a good line for the movie. Sure, uh, your leechcraft would have had me oh, yeah. crawling on all fours like, like a beast. beast. Yeah, yeah, I underlined that as well. <laughs> uh, so he's they they even give Wormtongue a horse, uh, and he's told to leave. And, and like we said, he's probably going back to his true master, Saruman. Yep. Um. Now their plan is set. Right, they're going to send all the women and children and old people away. They're going to. Uh, ride on to to Isengard uh, but before they do that uh, they get a little bite to eat at Edoras uh, and uh, this is where Gandalf I think Gandalf says or thinks or something says something about how he hasn't divulged all the secrets to to Theoden so Theoden doesn't know the plan with the ring yet all that Theoden is worried about is Isengard and trying to defeat Saruman yeah uh also, this is where uh, Thaden gives out some gifts. Not quite as good as uh, the Lady Galadriel's gifts. I don't know. Gandalf's gift is... It's hard to match. Yeah, yeah Gandalf asks for shadow facts. Uh, and I like his reasoning. He basically says, we've, we've, we have a bond now, and I'm about to go to war, and I wouldn't take anything that doesn't belong to me into a war because right. it might not come out. He also out, says no, no man can tame him at this point. Yeah, another humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> no one else, I'm the, I'm the only one that can do it, probably. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he asks for shadow facts and Thaden gives him shadow facts. Um, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas get some like armor and shields. Although it does, I thought it was funny, they made a note about uh, Gimli. None of the armor would fit Gimli. Uh, for his stature or whatever. Well, they, they said there was some that would oh, like, kind of fit, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't as good the as quality his, of what he already had. Yeah. But he did find a helmet that, and a shield that was shield. Thaden's when he was that. A, that was, was a boy. Cool. Yeah, he chooses the shield that was given to Thaden when he was younger. He's very thankful. For yeah, it. and Gimli is is thrilled to be using this shield. Uh, I think the next thing I want to talk about is some more sparks flying between oh, yep. Aragorn and Eowyn. Uh, so as they're eating, the Eowyn brings around this ceremonial like wine cup or whatever to, to drink out of, uh, and so she first brings it to Theoden, uh, who like some like little blessing or something is given, and he drinks from it. Uh, next, she comes up to Aragorn. I'm just gonna read it. Yeah, read it. Sparks are flying. Uh, as she stood before Aragorn, she paused suddenly and looked upon him, and her eyes were shining. And he looked down upon her fair face and smiled. But as he took the cup, his hands met hers, and he knew that she trembled at the touch. Hail Aragorn, son of Arathorn, she said. Hail Lady of Rohan, he answered. But his face now is troubled, and he did not smile. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. I, I like it. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I've always, so, you've never liked Eowyn. Nope. You've never liked your character. I've been pretty vocal about that. For a long time. I have not had the same issues with her character as you have in the films. Obviously, this is our first experience with her in the books. Right. Uh, in the films, you don't like her. 
I've always been more of a fan of her than probably any of our friends who are into Lord of the Rings. And I think I will come out on the right side on this. I think I will because... What do you mean right side? You mean the side that Aragorn's going to choose? No, 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 no. I'm saying which one is a better character. Oh. Because already in this chapter, Eowyn is so much a way better character than Arwen is. We have got like it's zero... Arwen's fault. It's Jimmy. I think it's Arwen's <laughs> fault. That's Tolkien's fault. All I'm saying is Eowyn is already a pretty decent character. She is. And she... Uh, gets some more praise yeah and she actually so they're trying to figure out who will lead the women and children in uh the younglings and the the the, the old people (laughs) uh away whenever they go to war and i think uh who is it one of the somebody it's hama i think yeah okay yeah you're right hama uh suggests that a be the one to lead them and i underlined what he said because yeah it was cool uh yeah he said uh I said, not Amir, answered Hema, uh, and he is not the last. They're talking about the last of the line of the king or whatever. Right. There is Eowyn, daughter of Eomund, his sister. She is fearless and high-hearted. All love her. Let her be as lord to the Irolingus while we are gone. Uh, and so shall be it. Or, and so... It shall, it shall be, be so. so. Thank you, said Theoden. Uh, so yeah, so Theoden is on board with this right away. So they trust Eowyn to lead their entire people when they go off to war. Yeah. And so, it, instead of acting like a little spoiled girl about it and saying that she wants to fight with the men, <laughs> she accepts her her responsibility. Do you like her a little bit more yes, in the books? Because okay. she doesn't act like a stupid dummy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she she, she accepts Aragorn. <laughs> yeah, she does she takes her uh, her duty to her people seriously. Uh, and he also Thaden also named he thinks this might be his last ride yeah I wrote, I wrote that down uh, so he actually names Amir to be his heir yeah. since his son just died he has no more heirs uh, so he names Amir he says if he dies Amir's the one he's gonna be king big deal uh, and he says if Amir dies as well then you have to you'll just have to find someone else yeah to lead basically I'll maybe, leave it up maybe to you maybe Hama yeah um, seems worthy Hamlet seems pretty good until he gets killed by wards and eaten. I hope that's not him. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so so they're going to be led to uh, the people of Rohan are going to be led to Dunharrow, which I, I can't even remember. Is Dunharrow further south? We don't have to get it's into the exact geography. It's further south. I'm pretty sure it's, it's further south. I so if it's on... Eowyn's going to lead the people to Dunharrow, uh, not Helm's Deep. Again, Helm's Deep's not even brought up yet. Uh, and... Um, like we said before, Theoden is kind of taking the fight to Saruman right away instead of uh, playing it more defensively. So to end the chapter, uh, they're basically gathering all the Rohirrim uh, at Edoras together to ride off. And they, uh, Aemir uh, and Gimli have a funny little back and forth uh, where, if you remember from the previous chapter, Aemir spoke not too kindly of Lady Galadriel and Gimli had had some things to say about it um so uh basically Amir comes up and tries to apologize to Gimli um he said uh but shall we not put aside our quarrel at least I will speak no evil again of the lady of the wood uh and then uh, Gimli says I will forget your wrath for a while Amir, son of Ammond 
Uh, but if you ever, uh, but if ever you chance to see the Lady Galadriel with your eyes, then you shall acknowledge her the fairest of ladies, or our friendship will end. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Amir is like, him. all right, fair enough. He also asks him to ride with him. Uh, he's like, he want he wants Gimli to ride on his horse with him, which I thought he's was like funny. begging him to ride with him. Yeah, he's like, please ride on my horse. It would be a great honor. And then Gimli's like, all right, but only if my best friend Legolas <laughs> rides right beside us. And then Amir's like, okay, Legolas will, will ride on this side, and then Aragorn will ride on this side, and we'll be the best friends ever. <laughs> that's almost that's, exactly that's what That's basically what happens. Um, so shall, uh, it shall be so, said Amir. Legolas upon my left, and Aragorn upon my right, and none shall dare to stand between us. Uh, so yeah, they're, they look like they're becoming fast friends. Uh, and yeah, so they, they gather all the Rohirrim together, and they set off west towards Isengard. Uh, leaving Eowyn staring off after them into the distance as she stays back with her people. And that's the way the chapter ends. That's the way um, the chapter ends. And I hate to leave on some bad news, Jimmy. What's the bad news? But that indeed is Hama. No! Who gets eaten by the war? <laughs> it's him! Hama, you <laughs> deserve so much better. <laughs> Poor that's sad. His, the son Halith, by the way. Halith? his name. Okay. Halith, son, son of, of Hama. Hama. Yeah, he probably knew his dad got his face he eaten off. definitely knew man no wonder he was moping around yeah poor poor guy um, okay sorry to leave on a sour note well i guess we'll see what happens in the book maybe he doesn't die in the book i hope not maybe maybe halith does something heroic but i doubt it i doubt it <laughs> uh so there was a lot different uh in this chapter if we're comparing the films to book, uh, I mean, we, we already went over most of them, yeah. but the entire game plan at this point is completely different. Yeah, uh, They're not headed to Helm's Deep at all, which is interesting because you turn the page and lo and behold, <laughs> chapter seven is called Helm's Deep. Right. So something obviously changes very quickly in the next chapter. And I'm really happy that you got the Helm's Deep chapter because I know um, you really wanted it. I thought you would really want it. I, I like it, but I know you have a greater love for it than I do, and I would not want to do any disservice well, thank you. to you. Although I'm a little upset it's like 14 pages long. Yeah, it's super short. Hopefully it's somehow good. I don't know. We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> somehow good. Uh, these, so, actually, both these chapters are pretty short. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. So next week we have um, Helm's Deep is uh, chapter seven. seven, and chapter eight is... The Road to Isengard. Interesting. So confused. I guess we'll see what happens. I'm looking ahead, trying Don't to figure out it. what's going Stop. on. Don't read it. Don't read it. All right. So, uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, before we end this episode? I mean, we, we went over pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Uh, a lot of the differences. Um, I basically wanted to talk about the differences in film and book and how it's gonna how it's gonna pan out how's it gonna come back together after it splits so much who knows I guess we'll find out in our next episode which yeah. will be when I, we always say when and then it's three or four days after that anyway. let's just not say it's a, bu- a busy weekend yeah so. we've got the Super Bowl uh, the game on Saturday yeah the game on Saturday well it'll be soon soon it'll be soon uh, and lastly before we go I just wanna say I hope Awen's character is is better in the book and I hope it sways you a little bit in my direction I'm already with you on that 
Okay. It, but it's not going to redeem her film character <laughs> okay. at all. <laughs> Alright, well, we'll see what happens. Nothing against that actress, by the way. But you hate her. I know she listens <laughs> to this, but if I ever see you... <laughs> uh, Alright. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? That's it. Alright. See you next week. Farewell. Don't let the camera ramble on!